welcome to this week's edition of Two Up Top. Oh, I'm saying it again, the weekly football review show. With myself, Gav Mack, you've got Alex Osborne and Florian Wolfram. Yes, he is the man from Leverkusen. Oh, yeah. Where's our names? <laughs> that's, that's not Ed. It's Alex. There you are. There's all our names on the bottom. So you'll be able to see exactly who we are. We're in association with DC Music Services, where we got all our lovely equipment from. Thank you very much. And hopefully, well, we, are, we still are in association with Macau Sports Bar and Grill the best boozer in the whole of New York, but hopefully all this stuff will be over soon so we can get ourselves over there and have a few beers again with people. How are you, gents? Oh, How are you, okay, gents? Well, definitely we both are polite. Uh, I'm fine. I had a great weekend, great football weekend. Can only be satisfied with a win in Mönchengladbach, so... Looking go. forward to tonight's show. We'll be talking about that in a couple of moments. Alex, how's you been? Uh, I'm very well. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Gav. Um, everything's chilled over here. I've got to say, actually, um, before we go any further, Flo shared in the chat, uh, group chat where he was watching the football yesterday. <laughs> that setup looked insane. Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I should have done. I should have got a couple of pictures of that actually, even though we show our viewers. But uh, how, many, how many different jerseys were there? I imagine they were all mainly Leverkusen, right? Ah, uh, no, I guess there were maybe 100, 150 jerseys. Oh. And it's, uh, it's my boss's uh, football room in his house. Luckily, we're quite close friends, so we often watch the matches together and that uh, brilliant setup. And uh, yeah, he likes to buy uh, all the new jerseys from the clubs coming new to Bundesliga so that he can have the uh, the table with all the jerseys around the wall. I did like and, that. I was a big fan yeah. of that. Uh, me too. Very big fan of that. And due to his uh, long-time work for Bayer Leverkusen, he made uh, contact to many players, especially youth players, because they do an uh, internship or something like that in their company or in the, in the with the staff. And afterwards, if the contact remains, they'll send him his jerseys, for example, and give them to him as a present. Brilliant. So, like, uh, Dominic Kaur, one of the very good friends from, from him, so he gave him a lot of Kaur jerseys. Uh, I don't know, Levin Öztunali, he was, uh, he was his host father. Levin Öztunali came to Leverkusen from Hamburg at the age of 16. And I remember I was in the same school, so he joined me at school. And we uh, we finished our A-levels together and he lived with my boss while we went to school. However, I didn't knew my boss at this time. It's just all developed a little later. But that's like Leverkusen, you know. It's a small city and uh, everyone knows everyone. Sounds a bit like Northampton, really. Oh, uh, let's, just get, about to say that. Let's, let's get into some games from this weekend. We've got to talk about what we've just seen. Um, it was... Oh, um, it was FC Cologne 2... Uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf 2 it was the most it was a terrible game of football for a very long time was it not um, let's go to I thought so I thought so I mean I didn't think much was happening at all um, and uh, me and Martin were watching it together and we weren't both really paying attention to it to it because even the commentary sounded a little bit like it was like it's a bit boring, isn't it? But without actually saying it on live air. And then they scored a goal just before half-time, Caraman, um, trying to come up with funny chance for including his name, but I failed miserably at that. But it, was a, it, was a, it was a deflected goal, wasn't it? Um, which kind of put the keeper on the wrong foot. And even then, that when they scored again, it, as Flo put in the, in the chat, it was a very nice finish, wasn't it? From, yeah, from is it Eric Tommy, Tommy? Tommy. Yeah. Eric yeah. Tommy. Um, and even then, it was still kind of just a bit, almost as if it, it was strange. Compared to all the other games, this kind of was played at a bit of a pedestrian pace for German football. Um, and then Cologne got a penalty, had it saved, uh, made a bit of a hash of it. And then... Well, no, just the, 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 common... the penalty came when look, to make it one each. Oh, of course it? it did. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, because we we said we saw it coming that they would uh, Dusseldorf would then go on and score because that usually happens, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but what I'm trying to say is that right at the end there, the commentator, the commentator that had, I, I don't know what the commentary is like over in Germany. I imagine obviously it's German uh, flow, but the commentator over here on BT Sport was saying that Cologne have a 
penchant for scoring late goals. And he made that point about three or four he times. Going in, he did, didn't he? He said game, it, 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 he? His, stat, his stat that he kept coming up with was they, uh, once the uh, game has gone past the 90th minute, Cologne have scored six times. Mm. Over the course of the season, and then obviously Modest scores, and then he and then they scored again like a couple of minutes later, and he's like, and that's the seventh time that they've scored after the ninetieth minute. <laughs> so uh, I, I, it was a strange game to me. It was boring, but had lots of incidents. I, I don't know how that ma- I, don't, I don't know how that works out. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. But f- first of all, to come to the commentary, I have to say the commentaries in England are usually way better than Germany. Okay. So I guess it doesn't matter what they say. They say it uh, with more emotion and uh, more power than ours. We well, only I, have a couple of quite okay commentaries. I think your goal show is better than ours over here because we just it just keeps coming up like, oh, there's a goal with a bit of music. Whereas when I lived in Germany, especially watching your goal show, your equivalent of Soccer Saturday, you'll be watching the game and here is Tor Schalke. And it's like, oh, <laughs> off we go to Schalke to see what's going on. We'll go to Schalke in a minute because there's a couple of goals in that game. But, you know, it's, it's a bit like how you watch it in on Soccer Saturday on Sky when there's when there's a goal, you hear one of the guys in the studio going, oh my God, there's a goal. Whereas here, it's just a little bit of music. So I thought it would be a bit more exciting over in Germany. I've never watched the whole game with German commentary, so... I've never watched the gold show, so uh, maybe there's something we can share when we meet. We watch yeah, the gold show in English and a, a full German game with German commentary and I can translate, so this should be a match. Yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the Rhine derby, as I said. It, it was a weird game. I wasn't expecting that to happen. And it was. I was talking to a, to a, to a couple of people throughout that game and I was, I was mildly disappointed as the game was going ahead. And then next thing you know, everything happens. So... Crazy, crazy stuff. But um, as I said, I did mention Schalke. Uh, so let's go to the Schalke game. Schalke nil, Augsburg three. Um, wow. That was not expected in any way, shape or form, was it? Well, Schalke just continued playing the way they played against Dortmund, I guess. And uh, they were uh, they were not dangerous enough today. I didn't see any, any good chance from Schalke. And it was too simple for Augsburg to score the goals. They had a lucky start with a brilliant free kick. So it was very good for their game, for their tactics during the game. And Schalke had no idea how to uh, have how to create any chances. And uh, with those mistakes in the defense, you invite the opponents to uh, to score a goal. And from my point of view, the 3-0 is just, just a logical result because Augsburg is well known for playing quite... Uh, like, uh, I like the word in English. I'm sorry. Yeah, but so quite like, well. Like, they're they're known for to be, for being well organized. Yeah, and robust, being a fighting oh, team strong. and um, yeah, disciplined. Disciplined, that exactly. Right? That's the word that I was word, looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. And they were are known to be very disciplined, and uh, that what that this is what was uh, their biggest favorite today or their big the biggest strength today, and it was enough to beat Schalke. So um, rough times for Schalke ahead. It is Alex now. Augsburg make changes, and their changes brought two extra goals in the shape of Serenren, um, Serenren Baze and Cordova. Schalke made changes by bringing on the kids. How do you think that's going to be looked at by Schalke fans? And is it time for for Wagner to be on his way? Well, I uh, was having this chat before I came on with, uh, with Martin, uh, and we both kind of agreed that out of the two weekends that have been played so far, Schalke have been the the worst team, mm. as far as we're concerned. Um, and it's not actually even close. Uh, and I think I'll put this in the chat. I, I, I've i yet to be convinced that David Wagner is really a manager. Um, you know, some, sometimes you do get assistant managers or backroom staff who can step up into a managerial role. That has happened, but then you get plenty of other examples where it doesn't quite work out. So, i.e., Paul Clement. Yeah, uh, a, a, a fantastic he, assistant manager. Look what he's done with you know PSG, Real Madrid, you know, and then he's into a full time job and doesn't really cut the mustard. And I feel that the same has happened with our um, with with Wagner. Yeah, uh, it's, not, I, really, it's I, not really worked for him. It's not really worked. I mean. <laughs> It's all well and good 
coming from a successful backroom staff, but if you haven't got your own philosophy to implement or something that you can get the players to believe in, then you'll get what's happened at Schalke, where it seems a bit that they're trying to play uh, a high-pressing system, but when you look at the press, it's a bit disorganised and it's quite easy to play through. And then when you get play, when you play through it, they look quite at sixes and sevens or um, all over the place at the back, which makes it quite easy, even for, as uh, Flo said, a, an organised team and disciplined side in Augsburg would make it look like they were cutting through them at will, almost. So I, I would suggest that maybe Schalke, I, d- I don't know off the top of my head whereabouts they are in the table, whether they are safe. I know, I know the top oh, five yeah, are kind yeah, of broken yeah, away, aren't they? Um, yeah, the the yeah, top the, five the, were broken away a couple of weeks ago yeah. already. But yeah. it's like sixth place is still enough to qualify for Europe and it's like three points away or something like that. So that's, that's not that much. And from my point of view, David Wagner is, is actually kind of a good coach for Schalke because he Ooh. understands the spirit of the people in the area around uh, Gelsenkirchen and the Ruhr area because they are very uh, crazy about football people and they are very impatient. One of the biggest mistakes of Schalke was always in history to sack their manager and don't give him time to, uh, to develop a team. They always wanted to see quick results and good results. And for example, I don't know, like it was like five or seven years or even more ago, they played a very great Champions League campaign with a quarterfinal and uh, they sacked their coach because he was on play third in the league, something like that. So they were always impatient. And it would be a good way to be a little bit more patient with, with this coach because he had a couple of young players on the pitch, also a couple of experienced players. But, you know, like the third goal where Levent Merka uh, lost the ball against uh, Cordova was like a typical activity of an unexperienced player. You know, he wasn't looking after the striker. He uh, hadn't a clear first contact and then he lost the ball. And, well, the 3-0 luckily doesn't matter. But it's this, those are like the steps you have to make in your development to... Uh, become a better team without any high uh, financial invest invest investments. Investment, yeah, okay. Investment, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so I'll, I'll ask a question then. Sorry, Gav. Um, would you say that the Schalke, if they stick by Wagner, he'll he'll be able to turn it around? Do you think he has the ability to do so? Because I'm not convinced, personally. I would say that uh, you have to... Schalke should have to correct uh, the targets and their target, the official target for this year was place eight. So if you look at the target, he's absolutely uh, oh, he's on, target, on the right, right. On the right <laughs> way. Yeah, he's on target. But if they would make smaller steps, I can imagine that uh, Wagner can, by giving enough time, uh, develop this team. Maybe not to top four in the next two years, but maybe if it's place six or place five, this is also... Uh, a place which would be a great fit for Schalke. Well, um, Augsburg didn't mess around with their with their jibes towards Schalke, and unfortunately <laughs> for the uh, unfortunately for the audio listeners via Anchor.fm forward slash tutf, you won't be able to see this. So I'll suggest that you go to our YouTube channel and uh, have a look at this. This is what they did. They changed their Twitter for their plans and 2020 and I think it's probably one of the most savage things but then again I, I always find that German Twitter is super savage and you know that that's what that's what they did and I, I love it um, let's finish off with Sunday's games and it was Mainz nil Leipzig five wow so it was absolutely crazy result for for them however that is now uh, let's just get the graphic for that one. There we are. Um, that is now an aggregate score of 13-0 against Mites this season. Timo Werner scored a hat-trick today. And that is nine goals he's been directly involved in in two games against Mites. Two hat-tricks, three assists. Bearing in mind, Werner hadn't actually scored for nine games before this game. And... Leipzig's results of late, that's uh, now 14 points from a possible 27. Are Leipzig back in the running now, would you say, after that result? Is that what they needed in order to kick on and, and try and get the next seven games through and 
hopefully win a title in their opinion? Absolutely, I think, because um, during the last week there were many questions raised in the media whether they are not able to take their chances, but I guess the match today impressively showed that they are able to. And looking at the next opponents they have, they don't have that uh, that big opponents anymore. They played against all the top five teams except Dortmund. Yeah, I was going to so say, I guess they, Dortmund left in the, in the top yeah. eight that they've got to play against. So I guess they have... Uh, kind of the best chances to qualify for Champions League again. But I don't believe, or I can't imagine them to be uh, so good to finish as champion this year. I guess this will be played between Dortmund and Munich. Which is the big game on Tuesday. And myself and Flo, I'm not quite sure if Alex is going to be able to join in with us on Wednesday night. But Wednesday, after the fixtures, we are going to review all, the, all those games from the mm -hmm. midweek, including that massive, massive Declassica, which could have giant ramifications on what's happening in the top half of the table. Um, Yusuf Paulson, I didn't realise he'd actually been there for that, that long. I knew he'd been there for a while, but that was his 250th game for the club. He's the record appearance holder. He's actually there in the third tier as well, wasn't he? Uh, he got a goal, which is great to mark such an occasion. How do you think his presence has been viewed by the Leipzig you know, fraternity? I think that he is uh, quite important for them because he does a lot of work on the pitch. He isn't the, the best goal scorer for them. Like He's obviously in the shadow of Timo Werner and he's not the most creative player, but he's maybe the most underrated player in, uh, in the Leipzig system because he, he, does, he does a lot of work. He has uh, a huge physis, uh, physical uh, yeah, power and um, from my point of view, he's really, really important and is a very important player also to switch in the front three they have because they have a lot of or they have a huge quantity of high qualified player in their uh, attacking department. What are your thoughts on Leipzig, uh, Alex? Uh, so my thoughts on Leipzig um, are out of the top five teams that I've watched. I think Leipzig have a lot of potential, but I see them very, very on a very similar level to Leverkusen. And no to me, uh, for me, I think the difference in where they will finish will be uh, the key players for them. So for me, obviously, Kai Havertz, the key player for Leverkusen um, and Timo Werner, the key player for Leipzig. And I mm. fancy Leverkusen actually to pit Le Leipzig in the table, um, probably finishing the, the best of the rest behind Dortmund and Munich. Um, mm. Because... We were having this discussion previously. Me and me and Martin think that probably Kai Havertz is the best player in the Bundesliga. Mm. I, I would I, I, think he is. I, I, I've had a lot of time for him anyway. And, you know, I, I was watching a lot of Bundesliga way before every other English fan decided to jump on the bandwagon because it's the only live football that's on. But to see him again, it's like, wow, you are actually the man because he's, he's got the height. He's got the yep. size. He's got the strength. I'll tell you what. Why don't we talk about? Why don't we talk about uh, Leverkusen? Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll bring we'll bring back Monday's game, which was uh, Werder Bremen won by Leverkusen four. That was from Monday. So Kai Havertz bagged a brace in that game. Uh, a couple of headers, which were very very tidy. Um, Flo is is the is the Leverkusen man, but we just want to go back to to Kai Havertz. Uh, to, to Alex and, and Darren Bikes I know you're a big big fan of him and uh, Bellarabans I just, I, yeah Darren Bikes me I just feel like he's a bit of a silky operator just just from the from the way he's played in midfield I can I can see he's someone who uh, seems to control tempo quite well but he can also be uh, he's played some lovely incisive passing uh, defence splitting passing as well Um and I was I was led to believe that Kai Havertz was your attacking midfielder. Um, they were all saying he's the he's the heir to Ozil. He's the new Meza Ozil. You know yes. he's gonna he's gonna take over his position in the German national they side. They say it's a hybrid However, between between Balak and Ozil, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But in these last two games, and uh, Flo, you 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 hopefully you can correct me here. Him playing 
the 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 spearhead in attack whether it's been kind of I'm, I'm trying to work out whether it's kind of like a in one of those false nine situations where he is the center forward but he kind of withdraws and you've got your two wide players coming in so uh, was it Musa Diaby um and is it sort of Bellarabi isn't it on the other side uh, as well kind of like Liverpool with Firmino as your spearhead but then withdrawing and you've got Mane and Salah coming in from the wings which is why I thought Guy Havertz would actually be a pretty good good spot to go to Liverpool because I think he would he would improve upon Roberto Firmino for me. Do you, do you honestly taller. believe that? Do you think that? Yeah, I do. That, I do. That... He's tall. He's taller. He's he's taller. He's stronger. He's he's younger, and Bearing he has mind, a bags yeah. more potential than Firmino for That's me. The thing. Bearing in mind that he is only twenty years old, so the fact that he's only twenty, do you feel that this is no offence to him? And I'm not digging out. Like uh, Leverkusen fans, by the way. So Flo, don't think that I'm that I'm kicking off at you. But do you, I think he's a fantastic footballer. There's no denying about it. But is he one of those players that could be a bit of a, more of a flash? So give it another season. Everyone understands what his game is. Everyone knows what he's going to do. So therefore, he's not going to have as much impact. Uh, I, I certainly don't think so. I mean, he's been playing. He's, this is what his third or fourth season now in the Bundesliga. So he'd have had that difficult potential second season where he's made his debut. You know, people have been caught off guard by him. Then they can then sort of prepare for him. And he's now kicked on again. So to me, that suggests a player that is not gonna is not gonna be satisfied with where he got. You know, some players they can have a excellent start to their career and they fade away because they think they've made it. Right? Mm. It doesn't appear to me that Kai Havertz is that kind of character, should we say? Um, and I certainly think that this guy, he could probably be whatever he wants to be, really. I certainly think so. I'm absolutely with uh, Alex, because already during his uh, Youth Academy days, Kai Havertz was told to be the next German national player from Bayer Leverkusen. Now, when he was 15 or 16, the people told him, you'll be the next one playing national team, and there was lots of pressure on him. However, he managed to uh, win under-17 German Championship, mm-hmm. straight got to our first team afterwards. And um, it's his fifth season now for Leverkusen. So he had a great development. And what I really like most about him is not like uh, scoring goals. He, he's top in the front three as a false nine, but he has a magical first contact with the ball. Yeah, his first mm-hmm. He always knows what he does and... He had also some some first contact passes that are great, that are so important. And that's the reason why I see him rather behind a good striker, like we had with Kevin Folland or like a, a striker who, who loves to play with him, then in the center, uh, then as a center forward for all time. Well, I believe that if he has a good striker before him, he can even be more efficient. Well, yeah, when, I, when you mentioned about his first touch, I think that he proved himself with that first touch, with a lovely first-time finish in the in the game at the weekend, uh, which is Mönchengladbach, by, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach 1, uh, by Leverkusen 3. Now, Dortmund were on the telly at the same time, but had no intention of watching any other game than this one. This is my personal, uh, for me personally, the feature match. Third versus fifth, so much mm-hmm. on it. It only takes a couple of slip-ups from, from Bayern Munich, which can happen, and we'll talk about Bayern in a few moments, to allow a side like, well, one of these two teams, as far as I was concerned, I thought the winner of this game would be the next challenger towards Dortmund, towards Leipzig, you know, and the the loser of this game would be looking at a top four finish rather than potential title winning side. And Havertz, the first goal was was truly beautiful. It was was lovely the way way he took that. there was also, I'll put a little typo in there again. I'm so bad at the old typo. Um, there was, um, there was uh, Turam who scored uh, to make it, uh, did he equalise, did he? He equalised, yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. So well, me, I'll put, the t- I'll put the timing wrong um, because um, Habert scored a penalty not long after. Uh, that should be 56, I think, 57. Yeah, I guess um, the equaliser was like 51, 52 and... Uh... 
three or four minutes later. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I needed to change. Hell, that. Yeah. Nay, bother. Hey, look, we're all, we're all, we're all, uh, we're not, we're not getting paid for this. So uh, who cares? Uh, and then Sven Bender, he was the, he was the guy who scored uh, a header from the, um, from the set piece, which is a beautifully taken header. Like he, he leapt above everybody else. I love, I loved Lars Bender as well. I loved them both. I thought they were both great, great players. He could play centre back. They could play centre mid. They could play in the holding role, they can sweep, you know, they're, they're both very, very talented players. But they're unfortunately, they're both uh, very often very hurt. So that even in, in training sessions, they go in a situation where it hurts. And that's maybe one of the reasons why they're, they're hurt so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, we always made fun of them. And we said, when we signed Swen Bender, okay, no, we have two half benders. Maybe they can make one, uh, <laughs> one matching bender, bender for our game because the uh, bender is so important they have such a huge uh, mentality and they're kind of uh, next to Harvard's the most important players for our game because they always make us better and make the other players better with their mentality and also his, his goal from Sven Bender wasn't even with a head it was uh, with the shoulder yeah it's like a typical <laughs> typical Sven Bender goal where you know we just wanted to score that uh, that damn goal with with all uh, possible options and he did it and luckily for us we want against Gladbach exactly yeah I, I was a bit surprised just mentioned about Gladbach before we move on that they took off Turam he looked quite menacing He's uh, and he was there, he, 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 he was causing Leverkusen a few problems um at the back uh, and a, it was a well taken goal as well um the, quite an emphatic finish into the bottom corner, and there was a, a he created a couple of other mo opportunities that Gladbach didn't really take advantage of, and a bit surprised that they took him off um, with about 15 minutes to go. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't understand that either because uh, I don't know. Turam's like phenomenon for me. He has huge uh, strength, and he has such a big ass. However, he is one of the fastest players in Bundesliga. I don't know how that does fit together, but it obviously does. And as we've seen with the, with his goal, or a big chance afterwards, Alexander Dragovic had uh, not many chances against him. So couldn't understand that change. But yeah, I don't know. Coach would must have had some idea in mind. Yeah. It confused me somewhat. And it was it was when it was still one nil, and Kai Havertz sort of like rounded the keeper sort of thing, and he he found Derembi, and he must have he must have thought he had all the time in the world just slot it home, and somehow Elvedi put his foot in the way and blocked it, blocked the shot that was on the line on the line, and I was like, how did how the hell did you do that? How did that happen? But that was um, that. That could have made it two 0 and at that point, it would have just been game over. Off we go. Thank you very much for the three points. But uh, but it, it it was much more exciting than that, and I thought it was a very good game. Um, let's move on to the, the the shock of the weekend, in my opinion, and that was Freiburg nil, Bremen one. Who predicted that result before the game? I guess no one. But uh, it's typical for Freiburg this year. They make some, um, some crazy good points against uh, the top five teams, but they also lose their home matches against uh, the teams from uh, the relegation zone. They lost against Dusseldorf. They lost against Cologne in the beginning of the season when they were at the very uh, bottom of the table. They lost, I believe, again, or against Paderborn or something like that. They struggled. They just drawed. So they lose their points against the bad teams and win them against the good teams. Mm. It's a yeah, crazy situation for Freiburg at the moment. You can't uh, expect anything from them. Expect the unexpected, maybe. Yeah, they um, they lost me money at the weekend, so I'm not very happy. About it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter in any way, shape or form. But Werder Bremen, look, we spoke about Werder last week, about their fall from grace. And there was one player who I mentioned who is a little bit good, who I've got a lot of time for. And it was him who got the the one and only goal. It was uh, Leonardo uh, Bittencourt. What is he doing at Bremen? Did he think he was going to be part of a, a movement to help Bremen go back to the old days? Was, or is he just trying to take a, a pay packet? I, I guess in, uh, in last summer when he changed to Bremen, they were in a very good way. They finished 7th uh, or 8th in the Bundesliga last year. 
And they said very offensively that they want to play in Europe or qualify to Europe for the next year. And uh, yeah, that didn't happen, as we know. Or this, or this won't happen, as we all know. But uh, I guess his intentions were to play Europe with Bremen, maybe put them back on top. But um, yeah, the, the responsible person in Bremen totally underestimated the, uh, yeah, the bad defense of the team and the, the bad um, development of this season. Yeah, and um, Freiburg, they could have actually got a point at the end, but good old pal VAR got in the way. Uh, Emmanuel um, Gulder thought he scored two in two, but his goal was chalked off VAR. Now, do you think it was the right decision to chalk that goal off? It's tight, uh, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. I... It is correct, but uh, no one would have said anything if there wouldn't have been VAR. So, yeah, and sometimes you've um, you've got to use common sense refereeing, in my opinion, and that, that's what. But then that's what VAR is there for. There was a red card in that game for Werder Bremen, and it was a, a second yellow for Bargfreder. I don't know why he was making that sort of challenge with only a couple of minutes to go. He, the player wasn't going anywhere, but you know, things fry your brain, do they not? Right. Um, where else do we need to go? Oh, Friday night's game, the Berlin derby. Uh, Hertha Berlin four, Union Berlin nil. Uh, Alex, did you get a chance to watch that game? Uh, I caught parts of it. Yeah, um, as as Flo said, uh, the Berlin clubs aren't so well. Uh, ha- haven't got as much tradition as, as some of the other clubs in in Germany uh, due to various uh, factors. There, um, he did mention about how Hertha had a new owner who wanted to come in and, and shake things up and get them to start behaving like a big club in a big mm-hmm. city. Um, now, you mentioned, you, Gav, mentioned about Union Berlin uh, having a lot of older players in their squad, the average age being quite one of, one of the oldest ones in the, the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I certainly didn't see this as a 4-0, but I, I always had a feeling that I thought Hertha were going to win, mainly because just from my fairly basic knowledge of German football uh, Hertha Berlin have got a higher reputation than Union Berlin and you know with good reason this is Union Berlin's first season in the in the Bundesliga um, but I certainly didn't see 4-0 coming especially off the back of Hertha's uh, performance in the first game but they bounced up, bounced back quite nicely didn't they yeah I mean like Flo at half time when it's 0-0 <laughs> would you would you have put any money on a four nil win for for her to Berlin? And not on a four nil, but um, I'm with Alex that I was had the impression also before the game that this derby will be a her to Berlin derby because as you already said, Union Berlin is always uh, the underdog this year, and it seems that Bruno Labbadia is uh, pulling the right strings with Hertha. Yeah. And uh, but or but maybe it's just because his players are afraid of him because I don't know if you've ever known or ever heard about this, but there were rumors that at his uh, while he was coach in Hamburg I don't know, ten years ago, he slept with one of the players' wives. So he's like the John Terry of coaches in Germany. Do you know what? Right, I knew there was something else because I knew I knew of him as a player. You know, weren't really my era as such. Wow. We didn't have Bundesliga football on our telly much when he was when he was a pro. But I knew I knew his name from somewhere or from some form of scandal, but I didn't know it was as as deep as that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it's it's just rumours, but uh, I guess mo- it's it's kind of true. It's my impression that it's true. I was going to say, the rumour has to start from somewhere. And um, yeah, I can imagine him at the time, you know, he's not exactly the worst looking guy. I can imagine him be on a, a few posters of of uh, of older ladies and uh, you know, yeah, his his yeah, nickname always was uh, the pretty Bruno. That was his. That's his nickname in Germany. There you go. I, I think it's the Munchen Gladbach gaffer. Um, me and my missus were watching the game the other day, and he popped up on the screen, and she was like, "Who's that?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, who's that? Who, who's what?" And I decided to have a little look myself, and I was thinking, hmm, "To be fair, you know, weren't mine myself, so." Uh, um, you know, <laughs> not that I'm that way inclined, but um, you know, he's, he's good looking. Anyway, uh, goal scorers, um, Abisovic, another old man. Um, he scored um, just a couple of minutes after half time, and I was thinking, right, okay, at least we've got some excitement. 
and I'm still watching the highlight of that goal. And next thing you know, it's it's two nil, and I couldn't believe it. But Luca Bacchio, he was awful that whole game until he scored, and then he looked like a well beater every time the ball touched him. It was bouncing off into next week. You know, he was making runs in the wrong direction. It, he was he was awful. But then to round the goalkeeper and slot it home nicely like that, fair play to you, my boy Cunha bagged again, and then um, Dejit Boata, ex Man City, with a with a header. It's um, the thing with, well, I'm quite surprised that uh, Boyata was featured in this game. So I didn't realise he got in a bit of trouble last week for ignoring the, the social distancing methods and decided to kiss another player when they when they scored. So it was, well, I, I sort of did notice it and they were like, oh, they're not really respecting social distancing and whatever, but... Uh, yeah, Dejo Boata makes his own rules up. But um, <laughs> Herta, they're, they're looking like they could potentially go on, on a bit of a run. You know, their running doesn't look too, too bad. Union Berlin, they're safe, would you say? I won't say they're safe. Because no. uh, we had a couple of experiences in Germany that uh, clubs which seem to be safe, like seven or eight matches to go, uh, suddenly had a streak of, of losses and uh, got relegated. It happened to Frankfurt uh, four years ago. It happened to uh, Stuttgart three years ago. They all seem to be safe and uh, suddenly you lose two or three games, you get in, in, like you're struck in, ne- negative in, in a negative way and uh, you can't, can't change. You, can, you don't find uh, the stick to, or the thing to push to, to go in the right direction. Mm. So they absolutely. should be very careful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially as I know, I said Schalke. I thought were the, uh, have been the worst team over the two weekends so far. Union Berlin have been uh, kind of there with them, not as bad, but I kind of see. I don't really see the quality necessary there to stay in the league full time. If if that makes sense. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. If they're going to survive this year, it might be right because they've scraped it somehow. Uh, but I certainly don't see them surviving much longer than that. Really, no. Their team's yeah, way too old. Way too old to sustain yeah. any form of future. They need to start looking at, you know, fringe. Maybe look at fringe players of the bigger clubs around Europe. If I don't know what their money's like, flow. Do you know what their cash flows like at Union Berlin? They are they and Paderborn. They are the clubs with less, uh, yeah, with less money in uh, in the in the Bundesliga. So they have very little money. Also because because they come from East Berlin, you know, Germany are really struggling, and uh, mm. they don't have that big sponsors. So I guess for them it's it's really difficult to uh, to gain new young and promising players. They should t- they need to take that what's what's left over by the big clubs maybe or by by the other clubs in the league. That's why they also uh, have so many old players in their team. And uh, maybe another point why I think it can be very complicated for them is that their biggest strength, their fans at home at Alte Försterei, yeah, aren't there to support them anymore. And we see a development in the Bundesliga right now that uh, away teams are winning more and more games. Mm. Like this match day, they were like um, two, two home wins, something like that. So not that much. Well, that's a lovely lead because I wanted to go into the, the final away win um, that I wanted to talk about. There's still a couple more games to go. And that was um, Wolfsburg nil, Dortmund 2. But before I start with that, you are right on that. So week uh, game day 26, out of the nine games, there were five away wins. And uh, there was, oh, well, I had actually written down that there were six away wins on game day 27. But... Cologne ended up bringing it back, <laughs> so that, that ended up being a draw. But two, that, that's still a majority of away wins than home wins. So the home advantage isn't there for teams like Cologne, for teams like um, Paderborn, for teams like Union Berlin, that rely, uh, teams like Schalke, that rely heavily on like an ultra so, sort of sounding atmosphere to intimidate the away team it's just 
a couple of shouts from from the crowd. It's not. It's not just that. It's just the the feeling that players get playing in front of their own crowd. You you know when you've got people cheering you on, you're you, you feel in a better place, don't you? You're in more familiar surroundings. You've got an atmosphere which is 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 conducive to you being um, uh, encouraging. Even if players don't need that motivation, they say that they don't. It is still a motivating thing, isn't it? To to you know want to do well for your own fans watching you in your own stadium. Now, as uh, I was as, now that's taken away. I would be interested to know out of these two out of these two weekends, those victories that have come about, because it seems like the even though they're playing at the opposition stadium, it's almost like they're playing at a neutral venue, right? Yeah. And usually when you play a neutral venue, it kind of that levels the playing field a bit, doesn't it? In terms of any advantages, home advantage, away advantage, whatever. Um, it'd be interesting to know out of those 10 victories the away teams have been, would those 10 victories would have happened anyway? If that makes well, sense, I'll, were they I'll, the I'll, better team? Uh, were they the better team? Well, Is there any correlation between that? And I look at, for instance, this weekend. I haven't got um, last week's results to hand directly, but I look at Augsburg. Would I expect Augsburg to win away from home? No, I'd expect Leipzig to win away from home, one hundred percent. Would I expect Werder Bremen to win? No. You know, and I know that Freiburg can be the surprise package where they beat the bigger teams, as Flo alluded to. They'll beat the bigger teams and lose to the lesser teams. But I would still expect Freiburg to win that game, especially with their fans and everyone behind them and a, and a decent start. Because to be fair, the first 15 minutes of that Freiburg game, for instance, it was all Freiburg. And it was a it was goal on the break, which was a lovely move, which, which brought the goal along. But then uh, their fans, once they go 1-0 down, they wouldn't start effing and jeffing and booing and stuff. They'll get behind them and give it a good old rally. And I'll feel that that would give them the momentum. Teams haven't got that anymore. And I don't think Wolfsburg would have made much of a difference uh, at the weekend. But, you know, I know that the Wolfsburg crowd can be quite raucous, like any crowd in the Bundesliga. Um, Wolfsburg nil. Bundesliga 2 <laughs> <laughs> Borussia Dortmund 2 uh, the goals from Guerrero and Hakimi the two wing backs um, Flo talk to me about that game um, I just saw the highlights of that match so uh, and what I heard from, from German football talk shows is that it wasn't the most exciting match from, uh, from Borussia Dortmund's side but they are so dangerous and uh, they seem to be so uh, constant at the moment that they are quite an interesting uh, runner-up for champions, uh, for, for becoming champions. So I guess they found um, their form at the very right time for, for a great game against Bayern Munich and they have two very, very good uh, fullbacks on the left and right side with Guerrero and Hakimi. I just saw a statistic this week that they have actually more uh, goals and assists combined than uh, Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Thank so. you. Can everyone stop getting off Liverpool for a hot minute and talk about these two because these two are the real. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a Liverpool fan, I have to say no, but uh, <laughs> 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 these two are definitely the best fullbacks in Bundesliga at the moment. And as you can see, everyone is focusing on Haaland and uh, for a reason, of course. But having these two in the background and always uh, pushing from behind, that's a huge strength for Dortmund. That's a point that could make a difference maybe against uh, Bayern Munich on Tuesday. Don't you love that, Bayern, that Borussia Dortmund have got so much strength everywhere? They've got goals all over the park. Is that a cat? No, I think it's uh, I think it's somebody's child just shouting in the background. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. let's crack on. The, the joy is this: when we're back in the studio, it won't really matter so much. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, Alex, the the thought that Dortmund have got goals from everywhere. They. they Sorry, that's, that's really distracting. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Um, yeah. So. You know, as, as as Flo said, all the goals, well, all, all the focus, sorry, was on Haaland. 
So the fact that goals are coming from the likes of Julian Brandt, Torgan Hazard, your fullbacks, you know, the strength in depth at Dortmund is amazing, isn't it? They, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they have got a number of different threats coming from all over the field and you add, add to another one from there, Jaden Sancho, who came back into, well, saw a bit of action anyway, came off the bench, I believe, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, so just in time for him to get some minutes in against Bayern, whether he's going to start or not, I don't know. But they but, certainly but have a number of different threats. He looks horrible, Sancho. You know, with his his hair and his beard. Oh right, right yeah. We're not talking. We're not talking about Barnett. So I imagine that the hairdressers <laughs> are open it again in in Leverkusen, are they? Because your hair looks yeah, quite as, nice today. As, as you can see, they they opened uh, two or three weeks ago already, but I didn't get an appointment, so I had to wait a very long time, way too long time. I looked I looked horrible, and I'm very happy that I <laughs> I'm back in shape again. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why I wear a hat. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. um, Jaden Sancho is actually contributed uh, 30 goals this season, directly contributed. So that's goals and assists directly, um, including the assist for Hakimi's second. Yes, Sancho and Harvards are definitely the hottest two player in, in Bundesliga or have been the hottest two players in Bundesliga this year so far. And about and, 20 uh, years old. Yeah. If he comes back to, to strength and if he's fit again, he definitely is a player who needs to be on the first eleven side in every game for Dortmund or in every important game because he always makes a difference with his uh, with his agility, with his pace, with his skills and his uh, strength and scoring goals. I'm really, really looking forward to the game at the weekend. Uh, the weekend, <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Keep um keep getting confused on what day's what. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a fascinating battle, isn't it? I, I though I again I was having this discussion with Martin and we were thinking, could, can Dortmund realistically can they topple Bayern Munich? And we we think unfortunately we both think that Bayern Munich. And I say unfortunately, hopefully that won't incite any Bayern Munich fans, but. Um, for the sake of wanting another team to actually win the Bundesliga uh, and and being a bit of change there, we can't really see Bayern Munich slipping up. No, the fact that Bayern they won th- well, they won fourteen in the last fifteen games. They if if Dortmund do beat them on Tuesday, they'll still be a point clear, so they're still in the driving mm-hmm. seat. I can't see Bayern being toppled. Um, we will we'll go there. We'll, we'll, let's go there. So it's um, it was. Well, Bayern Munich, five. Eintracht Frankfurt, two. Um, three goals by Hinteregger. Three goals by Hinteregger. <laughs> it reminds me a lot. I think, it, I think it was Frank Sinclair back in the day. He scored two two Oggies and a, and a goal at the right end to make it, to, to bring it back to 2-2 two, two after putting them down. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, Leon Goretzka with a very, very Lampard-esque goal to take the lead. They had already battered Frankfurt into submission anyway by that point. Um, Thomas Muller, he well, it was kind of a decent finish. He, he beat the offside track. <laughs> it's a, it's a typical I would say Muller that was a very finish. Thomas Muller kind of goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it didn't look good, but uh, somehow it was difficult to manage. He still did it. And, which made know, it good. Typical Muller. Yeah, which made it good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's... Do you know what he? Do you know he reminds me. He reminds me a kind of like a like a smaller version of Peter Crouch, where you kind of see his like <laughs> old arms and old legs, and yet he somehow scores a goal. And you're like, he made that look really awkward, but it was like a eight yard finish. Do you know what I mean? From like just outside the six yard box. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was a very typical Thomas Muller kind of goal and celebration as well oh, with yeah. the old uh, and the uh, yeah. yeah. He's, the, the Corona um, celebrations are, are made for Thomas Muller because he's like always. If he scores a goal, he's first he's uh, celebrating for his own. Like yeah, and uh, <laughs> only a couple are, of seconds later, his teammates yeah, are coming. So like, they have to leave him alone. Here. At first, I didn't realise I need to celebrate with you as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lewandowski scored just after half time with, with a header, classic um, Lewandowski. But then things changed, and it was a corner. For Frankfurt, and it was headed in by Hinteregger. Um, what was going on with the Bayern defence there? Because they all just seemed to stand still at that point, and I was a little bit 
I was a little bit concerned by that, but I thought, ah, that's all right. But then three minutes later, they get another corner and Hinteregger's there again. Maybe they were a little too sure with that, uh, comfort comf with that comfortable yeah. lead. And uh, yeah, they weren't that yeah. concentrated at the corner. As you could, could see, uh, Hinteregger had two touches. You know, he had first touch with the head and uh, second leg later the second touch with the feet to score a goal. Mm. What definitely may not happen uh, or must not happen to a top team or to, mm. a, to a champion. So that's uh, a good point for them to, or an important point for them to uh, improve until next Tuesday. But uh, we should not forget that uh, Hinteregger is one of the most dangerous defenders at, at corners. So he has already scored uh, eight gonna, goals, I, I believe, say, this he's year. He scored like yeah. eight goals or something this year. Eintracht Frankfurt top scorer. That's sad, isn't it? You know, <laughs> like when your defender is your top goal. It's a bit like Newcastle, isn't it? Um, the, <laughs> uh, Bayern put the game to bed pretty much um, to make it 4-2 with Alfonso Davies. Um, the clearance was awful and terrible decision-making by Gelson Fernandez. Uh what was he? What was he thinking? Like, what? Why? Why not just put a foot through it? I'm confused. I believe he can't even answer himself. It looked uh, ridiculous what he was just doing, like uh, Hinteregger's own goal at the uh, final of the game. I, I think that was quite. I, I think that was quite harsh. Cause that was a lot of pressure from substitute Na uh, Serge Nabry, and I don't think there was much that he could do about that so I did feel a little bit sorry for him um, the final game uh, and we left it to last for a reason was Paderborn 1 Hoffenheim 1 say for, for a reason the first half was actually quite entertaining there was a lot going on especially the first 10 minutes the first goal from Skov great finish and then Srebny as well to, to make it one apiece with just 10 minutes gone in at this point. I was going to say, Gav, you mentioned about uh, in the last game there, what was uh, Gelson Fernandez thinking? <laughs> what was that defender thinking in this game? <laughs> he, he, I think he, I think he's like, do you, know, do you know what it reminded me of? It's like when you play FIFA and you have a glitch and it just it stops the player and then all of a sudden he just wakes back up again and the ball's like drifted off like a few yards, isn't it? And he's like, but you've got to think of the finish. Your man's what? what is it? Oh, the, the, that was a lovely like finish. I mean, he's, he's, had, he's, he's it was oh, no, really straight. He's, was, he's, sorry, he's taking it early, slow, hasn't he? Yeah. He's taking it early. And in those situations, you're probably thinking, just take it on towards the goal to give yourself an easier chance from, from closer in. But he's obviously put it away with plomb. It's just that defender. I just, I had, what was he? What happened? He just stopped functioning for a moment there. Funny thing is that Akpoguma was uh, became a substitute because he made three horrible mistakes last week, and now his uh, the new man on the pitch, Bichakic, did uh, even more horrible mistakes. Oh, no. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of work to do for the Hoffman coach with his defense, I guess. <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. But this is why I've always said I love German football because there's always goals, you know. And it's quite funny, the, the game that we watched earlier on today, the Cologne-Dusseldorf, um, the Rhineland derby, they were banging on about how many goals are scored, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, this has got nil-nil written all over it. You're going to wind me up with a nil-nil. But there was then four goals in that game. That's what I mean. So there's always goals. There's always entertainment. But just in the Bundesliga. Not, in the Bundesliga. Not, not in the second league. Second uh, Bundesliga is horrible. Yeah. Today um, we had a uh, top game, first against second, Bielefeld Hamburg. And it was like typical second Bundesliga, 0-0. Zero, zero. Mm. Incredibly it's boring. Hard to watch. It's hard to it's watch. It's very hard to watch. It's it, we've only got limited ways of, of, of viewing those games over here, but I choose not to um, look at those. They're legal streams. They're, they're via betting websites and things like that. You know, you could watch it. So like Karlsruhe were on the other week. Grütert, um, they were on a couple of weeks ago. Like Hanover, but it's just it's just not easy to watch on the eye at all. Um, you would have seen a few of our social media links come along at the bottom of the screen, but before we go, we want to show you the Bundesliga table. Oh no, they're the fixtures for next week. I didn't get the, <laughs> I didn't get the table because it was just before the game, but as you know, we all know what's going on in there. So, uh, the fixtures this week on Tuesday, 
We've got uh, the the five o'clock five thirty game in the UK. We're going UK time, so Flo, just tell your mates it's an hour on top of what we say. Um, so the Halbzex game. See my German. I'm very good at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dortmund versus Bayern on Tuesday night, and then Tuesday at seven thirty, you've got Leverkusen versus Wolfsburg, Frankfurt versus Freiburg, Bremen versus Mönchengladbach. Wednesday night at well Wednesday evening five thirty, we've got Leipzig versus Hertha Berlin, and then the evening games we've got Hoffenheim versus Cologne. Dusseldorf versus Schalke, Augsburg versus uh, Paderborn, and Union Berlin versus Mainz. And now I understand what you're saying about our Union Berlin safe. Because if Union Berlin lose that game, then that sort of, well, that puts Mainz in a stronger position and brings Union Berlin more into a, in a, in, into a relegation scrap. But can you imagine Mainz uh, winning after this uh, performance today? Um, yes. Do you know what? I can. And the oh. reason why is because it happened in the Premier League. Alex, Southampton? I was I was just about to say, I could, I can actually see Mainz, even though they had a poor performance today, st I still see enough about their team going forwards and I did over Union Berlin. Yeah. Union Berlin worry me. It looks like they, yeah. their, their formation. I think, I think they they try and play a certain formation, but really and truly, it is like a a four five one with a sole man through the middle who's not very very good. And so with that, I just think. I mean, just looking at the league table now. I mean, Union Berlin. I think what saved them is that they've actually got a fairly decent defence. I mean, they've conceded a, a, out of all the teams around them, they've conceded the least amount of goals, uh, least amount of goals, but they, conversely, they've also scored very little as well. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, mm. if, if for me, if you want to get out of a relegation zone or relegation battle, you need to score goals. Okay. Because you, you're going to concede, you are going to concede because you, you're not a very good team. So, you're going to have to prepare for, to concede some goals. But if you don't score goals, you don't give yourself, it's Michael Owen saying, you don't give yourself a chance to win the game. And unfortunately, I just can't see Union Berlin scoring enough to keep them out of trouble. Or if they do somehow scrape it, then it's going to be by the skin of their teeth. I mean, what, how does it work again? It was So it's the bomb to yeah, go down yeah, automatically. The two, the and then the third... Down. And then the third team who finishes bottom then plays a playoff against the team who finished third, third in the, in the, the Bundesliga as well. Yeah. Okay. So, exactly. I mean, they've got a six-point gap between them and Dusseldorf who are in that position right now. I that, That's not enough for me at all. We'll see how that pans out. Um, you've, been, you've been watching the... Or you might have been listening uh, via anchor.fm to the Bundesliga review, the game day 27 review, myself, Gav Mack, Alex Osborne and Flo Wolfram. Before we go, we've got a few shout outs that we need to give. I need to give a big shout out to FTLOL for the love of lists. Um, they're a podcast as well. They do long lists of, you know, top tens of what they've had recently. Best international teams of all time, top 10 Brazilians. Absolutely brilliant watch. You need to make sure, well, listen, I should say, because they're audio. Make sure you give them a good old listen. Um, you've also got uh, the Bundesliga show coming on Wednesday night. We've got our top fives in five midfield coming on Thursday. It's all going down. All our social media links as well. So, um, Alex, I don't know where to point, but I'm just going to, just point just point uh, somewhere on the screen will put will appear a a point where you can click to subscribe to the channel and also some other content that we produced as well so yeah in any any position on the screen if you want <laughs> i'm just, it's so difficult looking at a screen and looking at that screen over there i'm just just pointing <laughs> stick up my face yeah just stick up my face that's easier um, but all our social media links at two up top football on facebook twitter Instagram, YouTube, you'll find us on that way. And if you want to listen to us, you'll see it on all our social media links. It is anchor.fm slash T-U-T-F. Thank you, everybody, and good night.